You are listening to What Kind of Asian Are You podcast, a podcast featuring conversations about being Asian. I am your host, Kyle, a Hong Kong Chinese Canadian diaspora interested in the third culture identity. Each week, I talk with a different diaspora Asian to talk about their life, stories, and experiences. The podcast looks to highlight, amplify, and validate Asian voices worldwide. Please stand back from the doors. This is a brand new take on the Monkey King, one where which pair of sneakers you wear is more important than which piece of armor. Chinatown, New York, has fallen apart, and it's up to Trippy Tucker, the monk. Find the Monkey King, Pixie, and Sandy. Make the journey west to Chinatown, San Francisco, to find enlightenment, and then head back to New York to save Chinatown from itself. This concept actually began back in January 2020 from an art show at the Pearl River Mart Gallery here in New York. We've also got some amazing variant covers by comic heavy hitters Jim Chung and Jeff Darrow as well. Most Monkey King reboots focus on violence and action. I wanted to show the magic and adventure that's been forgotten over the years. Join our adventurers as they try to save Chinatown, New York, and they just might discover more about themselves as well. We've also got some unique stretch goals that will help give back to the Chinatown community. Hi, my name is Jerry Ma, and this is my modernized version of the Monkey King. I'm hoping this is just the first step of many to come, and with your help, we can bring the Monkey King to life. Cheers. What you just heard was the audio explainer of the Kickstarter project, The Monkey King: A Chinatown Odyssey, a 64-page full-color graphic novel that has bring one of Chinese literature's most enduring characters, The Monkey King, to modern-day New York. It is a Stranger Things meet Cowboy Bebop original, according to its creator Jerry Ma, who we are so lucky to have today on the podcast. He comes in to talk about the novel, the Kickstarter, the charity aspect of the Kickstarter that will benefit. The Asian community and his background and stories, being an illustrator, graphic designer based in New York. This Kickstarter project is such a super meaningful one that everyone should check out, share, and support if possible. This project is in support of AAPI Heritage Month and #StopAsianHateCampaign. Now, my conversation with Jerry Ma. All right, this is Kyle from What Kind of Asian Are You podcast. Today. Very very special episode. This special guest have a really special project that he's taking initiative in doing, and also kind of putting it out for the community, for the diaspora Asian community, for Asians worldwide, specifically in America right now with all the anti Asian hate that's going on. And I think that the project he has going on that he wants to put out and is great, and I want people to know more about it. So today I brought him in. To kind of talk more about the project itself, what it is, what it's about, and more about his story, because he also have a very interesting background and career. And so, without further ado, I welcome today Jerry Ma. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Kyle. It's really, really great to meet you here. Yeah, likewise. And、um, I kind of got wind of what you're trying to do, and you as a person through kind of Instagram. Someone in your team kind of reached out to me and said, "Oh, Jerry's doing this awesome project." 
and really want to do something for the community through that and is putting a Kickstarter for the project. And then he showed me like the Kickstarter video that hasn't been released as of this recording, but by the time you hear this, it'll be out and I hope people will check it out. And I saw it and I was like blown away by what it is. So for the listeners, can you just quickly go through what this project is and we could get way more in depth of like the project itself later on? Of course, I'm doing The Monkey King, which as you, I'm sure you're well aware, is a beloved story in the Asian American uh, culture, Chinese culture in particular. So The Monkey King as you know, gets rebooted maybe, I don't know, at least three times every single year. And I feel like every time it gets rebooted, each version of it gets more and more Kung Fu oriented, more action oriented. They give the Monkey King some, you know, nicer armor and they try to make everyone look like action heroes. When in reality, the story is actually about the discovery of Buddhism, about them journeying west to India to discover Buddhism and bring it back to China. So I feel like along the way, throughout all these reboots, people forgot about the magic and the adventure of the story. So I had an art show back in 2020. That was one of the few things I got to do here in New York. And it was at the Pearl Rivermark Gallery here in Chinatown, New York, where I did an art show on the Monkey King in 80s slash 90s Chinatown, New York. Uh, there, I had a, there was a few young girls that worked at the gallery that were helping me install the, the show. And they had never seen or read The Monkey King, which kind of blew me away. And the reason why they didn't is it it just never really interested them because there's so many remakes of it. And they're all kind of the same exact thing. And they were very interested in what I was doing because it made it a little more relatable to them. So rather than choosing which armor to to wear or what Kung Fu style they're going to use, my characters are choosing which sneakers to pair with their hoodies. You know, and I'm trying to, I'm putting them in Chinatown, New York, where they're going to make their journey west to Chinatown, San Francisco. And through their enlightenment there, they will bring it back to New York to save it. That sounds amazing. And kind of like the, the quick kind of rundown would be like you're creating a comic based on the Monkey King story from a long time ago in Chinese literature that, you know, you've seen a lot of reboots, but you want to make a reboot specifically more focused on the adventure, the magic and the lessons in a more kind of modernized setting, especially in the West, in America, for those specifically Asian Americans that are looking for Chinese or any Asian specific media that can be relatable to them. Did I get it right? Yeah, I mean, the Monkey King is the first Chinese superhero, man. That's the Mm -hmm. truth, you know? (laughs) And... With that said, so you're planning to create a comic out of it. So what kind of things will it entail with all that kind of creative stuff you're doing with it? Like I said, this began technically back in, uh, well, before January 2020, but January 2020 is when it debuted in a weird way at the art show. So after at the art show, I was asked to, if I was going to be doing a book on it, but I really had zero intention of working on a book uh, just because of you know real life and, and work and deadlines. But then because of the pandemic, you know, we were put on lockdown and everyone had to stay home. So I actually used that as the opportunity to make this work. I decided that I was going to work on the book while I couldn't really do anything else anyway. It it was a great thing for me to kind of keep my mental health and stay productive at the same time. The creative process of all this, it did entail doing some research. Uh, I went back and read many books on the Monkey King did a lot of research on types of Chinese looks, you know, uh, classic Chinese looks, fashion. And I I tried to do, so I tried to make a a mixture of classic Chinese fashion combined with current New York fashion as well. With this Kickstarter you're doing for this project, what would be the 
ultimate kind of thing that you want out of it? Like, is it a comic series or is it a, like TV show? What 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 is it that is really the point of this project? So hopefully, this is just the first step of many. You know, and um, based off the success of this campaign, uh, I am hoping I'll get to do more stories with the Monkey King. So this would be just like the first chapter in a long series. Uh, ideally, if this can get some momentum. I have actually begun talking with some people about animated films for it, but it's very, very early. And, you know, they, they need to see the finished book first, of course, but that would be the ultimate goal, you know? With all that said, so what we're getting with this Kickstarter right from the start is the story, the origin in a book format. Correct. That's perfect. So is it is everything completed? Are you just putting out as a Kickstarter to raise more funds to get a release? Or what's the, what's the reason behind the Kickstarter? Okay, so, well, the Kickstarter obviously is A, to raise money to print the book. I'll be self-publishing the book as of now. And then, of course, this is where I think the Kickstarter gets a little more interesting. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Kickstarter, but mo most campaigns will have stretch goal. And what a stretch goal is, when you hit your uh, determined goal of X amount of dollars, in my case, it would be $11,000. So when I hit that goal, as, as a way to motivate people to continue to back the project, most campaigns will give you uh, whatever it is, like, you know, when we hit this goal, you know, everyone gets, I don't know, free stickers or whatever it is, you know, free bookmarks, anything like that. So I always thought that was kind of weird because I don't really care for that stuff. I just want what I'm mm -hmm. paying for. But that being said, I, I thought this was this would be a great, unique opportunity to take advantage of the stretch goals. So I was speaking with some of the guys that are helping me out on this project. I'm very fortunate that I got some really big comic heavy hitters, uh, Jim Chung and Jeff Darrow. In my opinion, these are like two iconic artists. And, I, and I'm fortunate enough to have the uh, typography artist. His name is David Soto. He did the, the Monkey King logo for me. Uh, my friend Alan Dorison, he helped me with the video. And then my friend Lisa Wu, she's helping me with the marketing. So we spoke about it and everyone, you know, I was going to pay everyone, obviously. But we were speaking about it. And back in March, there were some shootings in Atlanta here in America. And... It was pretty emotional. Uh, most Asian Americans got very angry. So I just decided there was like two weeks left in the month of March. And I decided I was going to donate all the money for my website, uh, all my online sales, that is, to this WeFundMe page to raise money for Stop Asian Hate. And it was pretty cool. You know, like when it was done in the two weeks, I had raised uh, like $2,500, which was cool. When I donated, it felt great. But at the same time, it felt a little hollow because you don't actually see where the money's going, you don't see anyone being helped. So after speaking with some of the guys, they decided that they didn't want to get paid and they wanted to take their money and donate it to Stop Asian Hate. That, that, I thought that was amazing of them, very extremely generous of them, but I just felt weird. Like I said, it felt a little hollow donating money to a website. So what I'm going to do is with that money and based off the success of this campaign, the more money we raise, the more money I'm going to donate to small businesses here in Chinatown, New York. And I am going to quite literally be walking into these businesses and each business, I'm just gonna give them $250 cash, which I know isn't like a ton of money, but ideally I'm gonna be giving it to many multiple businesses and we'll be donating thousands of dollars. And the reason why it makes me feel good is because I know the money will be going directly to these businesses. And like I said, I know it's not a ton of money, but I think if everyone can just do what they can do, and if everyone does something, it doesn't have to be similar like this, but just shows some support. 
hopefully we can bring some more awareness to these businesses. People start shopping there a little more. And, you know, my book is about Chinatown and saving Chinatown, New York. So hopefully this can be my little part in trying to help Chinatown, New York. That's awesome. And I love it. And I hope that people would support it. And talking about your project, it made me feel like, wow, like it's great that so many people are out there trying to do their part, you know, helping the, the neighbors, neighborhoods and helping the community. And I think what you're doing is really great. And I appreciate you for doing all that you do. Now, with all that have been happening, how are you feeling right now? Because it seems like all the shootings, all the hate has ha- happened. People are angry, people are sad, people have a lot of emotion, but it seems like it's kind of died down in terms of, oh, no more attention, like to the next part, to the next thing. How are you feeling about it? It sucks. So I have a girlfriend that lives in Taipei. Uh, I am here in New York. We haven't seen each other since February of 2020, the last time I was in Taipei. Uh, This pandemic has kept us apart. We've managed to stay together and she's actually come to New York uh, just about a month ago. She's, you know, staying with me right now. And as amazing as it is to see her after all this time, there's also a fear, like, I can't let her go out by herself. You know, it's simply not safe for her to go out by herself because all these tough guys that are making these attacks are singling out Asian women or elderly Asians. And, you know, it's kind of annoying. (laughs) You know, like, I don't like the fact that if I have to go do some work, I have to find someone to essentially babysit my girlfriend. I, I think it's, I mean, if you don't mind my cursing for a second, I think it's fucking shitty. You know, I, I only curse because to, to bring the point that it's really a terrible thing. These guys are gutless. They have no courage. You know, I'm not a tough guy, but yes, I would prefer if you attacked me rather than my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Asian Americans are rightfully so very angry, very emotional, but that being said, you can't just focus on all the negative you know, energy. You have to try and stay positive and realize that there still are good people out there. And the one good thing that comes out of all this negativity and all this racism is that it, I think it's brought some solidarity to the Asian American community. We have shown that we will be there for each other and we will help each other. It's just a shame that this racism has to continue. And I mean, Uh, It seems to happen on a daily basis here where you hear some new story of an elderly Asian American being attacked or an Asian American woman being attacked. And it's never like a young man being attacked. You know, it's never about a young man being attacked, which is what's really frustrating. Yeah, it's just frustrating because people continuing this kind of assumption that oh because asians for most part are in the different kind of social class they don't get racism inflicted on the but that's simply not the case i don't think we can say that racism doesn't affect those that are in any social class especially the ones that are marginalized especially the ones that are in the lower income i think we need to move away from that and just treat it as where like all these kind of social movement are saying like hate is a virus or like you know racism is a virus and go there and go, like make it stop like it's ridiculous that we have to really think like this where oh we have to worry if our loved ones will get attacked on the street randomly when they're not doing anything wrong at all yeah i mean my mother you know she's lived in new york now for i don't know over 50 years and she's afraid to go for a walk now you know outside because she knows that she's a target she has a bullseye on her back infuriates me you know it's it's ridiculous. You know, she's more New York than the guys that are attacking. Well, 
that might be attacking her, you know? But like I said, I think the, the worst thing that we can do is focus on the negative energy. We have to remain positive. We have to remember there are still good people out there and we have to come together as a community and, and, you know, stand up for each other. I actually, when I was getting my second vaccination shot, I had to go over to the Bronx. And this is actually a, a crazy story. I, so I'm taking the subway back home and it's around, I want to say like 9, 9.30 p.m. I'm sitting on the train and then as, as the doors open, these four really large guys walk in, three Dominican guys, one, one black guy. And they sit like right in front of me. And then uh, an, an older black lady comes in and she doesn't have a seat. So I just get up and I offer her my seat. And she's very grateful. She's like, oh, thank you so much. It's so nice of you. And then, of course, the three Dominican guys across sitting from me just start, you know, oh, you're so welcome. They're, they're, they're making fun of the Asian voice to me. And I'm like, OK, here we go. This is my turn to get into a fight, you know. Uh, and right as I am about to get like to say something stupid that's going to get me killed, um, the large black guy just looked at those three Dominican guys and just like, come on, guys, like, what are you doing? And it actually ended right there. So as negative of a situation as that was about to become, I try to focus on the positive part of it where someone came to my aid and kind of put it to, you know, put an end to it. And then as I got off the train, I'm on the platform and you can see the time for the next train. It's like six minutes coming. And I saw an elder Asian woman just waiting there by herself. And I zipped kind of like right past her. Then I stopped, I went back and I asked her if she wouldn't mind if I had kept her company while the train came. And she was so happy because, and then she just kept talking to me in Chinese about, you know, how scared she is to take the train by herself. So I feel like if we all just do something, even as small as that, it, it's going to help. Yeah. And what you said about being positive, helping each other, that's great. And your project is exactly doing that. I feel it's very positive. It gives people content to relate to, to appreciate, to understand yourselves more and to um, enjoy it. And now, can you just go through all the details regarding around your project once more so that people can know and support and find out more about it? Sure. So um, there will be a, a Kickstarter launching at 11 a.m. Eastern time here in New York. Call it, It's the Monkey King, a Chinatown Odyssey. It's going to be a 64-page graphic novel. And this is going to be the first story arc of what will hopefully be many of a series of these uh, of where the monkey king will have to travel west to find enlightenment, bring that back, what he learns out west, bring it back to Chinatown, New York and save New York from itself. Uh, I think it's pretty fun. I'd like to think that this is the first time we'd see this version of the monkey king. It's a little more fashion oriented. It's very New York. I hope everyone can get into it. I think there's something in it for everyone. It's pretty wacky and there's a lot of adventure. Please take a look at it if you can. Yes, and I'll for sure put down all the information in the show notes and everything. And I hope that people will look into it, support it, share it, and you know, do what they can and support this great project that I think will do a lot of good for the community and have long lasting effect, especially when you say, what you're planning to do with the story arc and also like the whole donation aspect to small businesses in New York, in Chinatown. I think that's great. And I hope that it'll be a great success so that we can see all those things that you want to accomplish come into fruition. Yeah. I mean, and like Kyle, like what you're doing here is amazing, you know, uh, just highlighting different Asian, Asian people doing things, you know, it, it's necessary and it's important. So thank you for doing this, man. No pleasure is all mine. Sorry to interrupt this awesome episode with this. But please make sure to follow this podcast on your streaming platform and on Instagram if you haven't already. 
Again, you can find the podcast by searching "What Kind of Asian Are You?" podcast, and also on Instagram at "What Kind of Asian Pod." Again, it's "What Kind of Asian Pod" on Instagram. Please leave comments and reviews. I greatly appreciate them. And now back to the episode. We talked a lot about the project itself, what it is, what it looks to do, and、uh, hopefully people check it out. And other than the project, I really want to know more about you because you know your project is amazing. And in order for a project to be amazing, I really believe it's from people that are amazing as well. So I want to get into your story, your background, and such. So usually I start off the podcast with kind of asking the the guest. Who they are, what they're about, and all that fun stuff. But I got really excited <laughs> about the project itself, and I just want to get into the learning more about the project, and it's fine. So now I want to kind of get to know you. So Jerry, can you just tell the audience about who you are, what you're about, and the question I ask my guests usually to start off the conversation would be, "What kind of Asian are you?" And take it away. Sure. Well, I am a Taiwanese American, born in New York. My parents、uh, came here back in 1969. I am a graphic design illustrator, and、uh, I, I guess I am kind of best known for this book I worked on with Jeff Yang, Parry Shen, and Keith Chow called "Secret Identities," which is the Asian American superhero graphic novel anthology. We created original Asian American superheroes by all Asian American creators. We won a few awards. We spoke at different schools. This was all pre-social media, so. Uh, it's it's been out for a little while.、Um, from that, I, I've also done my own a few of my own graphic novels. I have my own T-shirt line, but also as、uh, the son of an immigrant family, you know, I, I my my parents are small business owners here in New York, and we have a art supply store up in the Upper West Side of Manhattan near Columbia University、uh, called Janoffs. Our store's been there for over forty years by our family. And that I definitely spent some time there helping out with the family business, and yeah, that's it. So I, I try to、uh, I take my family duties quite seriously and try to give back to the family, give back to the community, and then of course work on my own stuff when I can. Wow, that's great. So, would you be able to kind of say that you have a very like what you would call a like classic kind of Asian American story? Parents, immigrants, small business owner, grew up in New York and gone through like everything. Yeah, my parents—they're amazing. So my father lived the American dream quite literally. He、uh, came here with I think it was like a thousand dollars in his pocket total. That's all he had to his name. He was、uh, came here to study, and he was driving an ice cream truck at one point. He worked at many restaurants you know, as a waiter.、Uh, finally. Just you know, kept working and saving money, then bought his own business, and opened up a store, and just was blue collar. To this day, my father still works, you know, six days a week, and he works from like seven thirty in the morning to like ten at night. He doesn't know anything but work. My mother is a writer. She's got about、uh, seven novels published in Taiwan. She for Crown Magazine. She's been a writer for the World Journal newspaper here in in New York.、Uh, she writes plenty of short stories. Uh, my mother is pretty amazing. She's a painter.、Uh, she does ceramics. I, I, I was able to take the creativity from my mother and take my father's work ethic. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you're、uh, illustrator, graphic designer, and your main thing would be kind of doing graphic novels and such. How would you kind of describe your style overall in terms of your art? Well, you know, everyone always wants to know that. That's like the million dollar、yes. question. 
kind of hard to describe your style. Uh, you know, it's just the way I draw and the way I do things, but I guess it's kind of clean, a cleaner line. Uh, I do like to play with color. You know, I, I make the brunt of my uh, living by doing uh, clothing design, graphics for, for clothing. So I'm doing a project for the NBPA in China. Uh, the NBPA is the National Basketball Players Association. It's mean, what that essentially means is I have access to all the players in the NBA, but I cannot use their team name. So I can use LeBron James. I can't say the Lakers, though. Um, so I'm making uh, some graph a li uh, three lines of graphic t-shirts for that. Uh, I also do some work in Hong Kong with uh, B2 Music, and where I partner up with Vibe Magazine to work on these Asian hip-hop CDs. They're like limited edition CDs that I get to do like, once a year. And I work with a few of the artists there to do like album covers, things like that. Uh, and then in the meantime, I try to do this comic because it's my passion. And I, I try to work on it in between projects. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's great. And how long have you been like in this field for? Well, you know, so when I first, I went to art school here in New York, I went to the School of Visual Arts. And oddly enough, my first job out of college, I worked at Morgan Stanley. Oh, wow. The investment cool. bank. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Um, I, I wore a shirt and tie to work for four years every day. Um, and I saved up a lot of money while I was working there. I was living at home with my parents. And then uh, I, well, I quit And then I, I published my own comic back then because that was always what I wanted to do. And after I published my own comic, I started going to some comic shows and then I started getting more involved in doing work overseas. Uh, you know, it's a big world out there. You don't have to just look for work that's in your neighborhood, you know. Uh, I was able to, you know, team up with some cool events. I, I've done a lot of work for some film festivals, some independent movies, doing some movie posters. Um, and, you know, I, I think I've been pretty lucky. Uh, I've gotten to mix, thanks to my father, I've always had, I, I've had the stability of our family business to uh, make sure I was able to eat, which is a big advantage, a huge advantage. And then my mother, like I said, she's an amazing artist, great writer. She's my hardest critic. And she's always telling me what to do you know, better and how, how I can be better as an artist. So I, I think I was, I was very fortunate to have the right support system behind me. Wow, that's great. And talk about like the support system. So did your parents ever kind of push you or kind of kind of try to sway you into doing anything in particular with your career? Or it's kind of where they were just very good at like nurturing your talents and your hobbies and interests, but not really telling you what to do with it? It took a little convincing, you know, um, my older brother went to Columbia University. He's a lawyer. He was, you know, um, all-state football player. He used to travel around the world uh, fighting. He's a Kung Fu champion. Um, so he was It's kind of a big shadow to, to be, you know, standing behind. But, you know, when my parents realized that I wanted to draw, and especially comics, they weren't exactly thrilled. <laughs> But they were under, so my high school art teacher, Ms. Joan Dettieri, um, she actually came to my house when I was in high school three different times to talk to my parents, to convince them to let me go to art school. And she realized that it wasn't really getting through to them. She f forced me to volunteer for community service. And she had me go to senior citizen homes drawing caricatures of everyone there. And she had like, four different local newspapers follow me around. 
so that on her fourth trip to our house, she brought all these newspaper articles with her to show my parents to convince them that uh, I deserved to go to art school. Wow! And I I really do owe her. A wow! Lot. This this teacher really knows the the headspace of Asian parents. I think she got <laughs> yes, it. Like you need to show that you know, your children can do something that they really like and do it well to get recognition or just you know money or anything of like positive reinforcement. I think. Yeah, I mean, she. You know, I, I still keep in touch with her. She's an amazing woman. You know, I, I've been like when I went to college, I still keep in touch with some of my professors from college. Uh, they're all amazing people. I, I've like I've been very lucky. I've been surrounded by amazing people and. That getting back to the whole positive energy thing, you know, there are still good people out there. For sure. So it's really terrible that we have to focus all our energy on the small percentage of, well, assholes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to remember whenever you see or hear of something like a negative thing like that, that should only encourage you to do good even more. And hopefully, if everyone, every time someone hears something negative, they decide to do something positive. I would like to think that, and as corny and cliche as this will sound, good will win in the end. For sure. And I want to get back to like your parents. So say they didn't really push you, that would be something that is correct. So what did they want you to do though? Like, is there anything that like they told yeah, you they want you to do? They, you know, they're Asian parents. You know, they want me to become a doctor, a dentist, or a lawyer. Oh. And my older brother was, you know, he, he was being a lawyer. So he became, and he still is a very successful lawyer. So they push you to do things that are creative, but they had the intention, oh, you're going to end up still being a doctor, lawyer, engineer, that kind of stuff. Correct. They, they always thought that uh, my art would be more of a hobby, something that I would do at nighttime and on the side. And understandably so, you know, there's so many starving artists out there. But what was I, what I had on my side was my older brother who would tell my parents, he believes, and he truly believes this to this day, that there are probably just as many, if not more, starving lawyers as there are starving yeah. artists. And when I, you know, pursued a career in the arts, uh, like I said, I, you know, my, my friends helped me out and I ended up becoming a, a graphic design art director for clothing. Mm. And, you know, I, I made a pretty good living for a very long time. And even then, my parents were still a little shaky on it because they, they had a hard time believing that, you know, an artist could make a good living. But I, I, I'm pretty sure I was making better money than most lawyers were. Mm, for sure. Uh, I ultimately ended up quitting about five or six years ago because I, I felt the responsibility that I should help with the family business mm-hmm. uh, because I have a younger brother who had sacrificed a lot to work with my father at the store. And my younger brother was working six and a half days a week, like literally only a half day off a week. So I, qu- I quit my career and uh, I, I decided to help out with the family business, which, you know, sometimes I, I miss having the, the luxury of that cushy corporate job, but I do not regret being in a position to help my family at all. So you said that you had a corporate job. Can you just talk more about what that corporate job is? Did you st- get that right from graduating your visual arts school? Well, yeah. So right out of college, I worked for Morgan Stanley for uh, about four years. I quit to draw, make my own comic. And then I pursued you know, the whole dream of trying to make a movie and stuff like that. And that didn't quite work out. I went back to get another job. Oh, then 9-11 hit. And I used to live right by oh, wow. uh, the Twin Towers. So that kind of displaced me for a little while. 
uh, for a few months. I lost a lot of my clients as a, as a freelancer. So after going like, I think it was like six months without really making any money, I had to just take a job and I ended up getting a job designing socks for children, which was very unusual for me. I'd never done anything like that before. I ended up designing socks for kids for a couple of years. Then I took that experience and I, I started working for companies like the Gap, Gap Kids. Uh, then I ended up at Champion, the athletic wear, which is a little bit more up my alley. And then from Champion, I went over to Aeropostale. They started their own kids line of clothing that I was the lead artist and I you know, became the art director there for it. And I was there for a good uh, eight years. And uh, after that, then that's when I had quit to help my family out. Oh, wow. Okay. So you had a lot of like different career paths and things that you've done. That's really interesting because normally it's people would be like, oh, I quit my corporate job and then I did what I'm really passionate about right away. But you kind of took different jobs that still relates to what you like, but like in different areas. Because I would never guess that you were designing kids sock for, for a job. You know, again, I, I do understand that creative, the creative arts has different hurdles. Ones that most people aren't that familiar with. So I always say, just make sure you pay your bills. It might not be the exact thing that you want to do, but as long as you get to stay creative and get to do something that you're passionate about, it's not a losing situation, you know. Like for me, working in fashion was absolutely a joy. It was not a bad thing by any means, you know. Uh, I really enjoyed the experience. I really missed the experience. That being said, like I said, it's great to be able to help the family. And now, I am working more on my own projects. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit older now. I'm, I'm not in my twenties or anything like that. So, I do have, uh, you know, I'd like to think I have a decent catalog of clients that I work with. So I'm doing okay. Yeah. So would you say you spent a lot of time in that fashion scene and then now you're more into like just overall kind of graphic design as a whole, making comics as well and like illustrating as a whole? Yeah. So I, I, I like to do some, uh, they're, they're called one sheets for movies, which are essentially uh, a mock movie poster, an illustrated movie poster that you, that these movies use to search for investors so they won't really be seen in the general market but they're pretty important to the project i get a chance to do things like that i work on a lot of you know graphic t-shirts uh i get to work with a lot of music you know which is pretty fun you know and then you get some random jobs here and there i i do a lot of portraits so you know a lot of little spot illustrations things like that so you're kind of in the like the content creating kind of realm but at the same time you don't have to be that out front about it i seem like you, a lot of stuff you're doing are very behind the scene which i think is really cool and in terms of your experience doing that what has been like the most interesting thing that you have done one project i did which was pretty unique and funny was i had to uh, illustrate this new leash for walking dogs which i know sounds kind of funny but th this person uh, her name was michelle weisbart and uh, she was on the TV show, like Shark Tank. She designed this way, of, uh, a leash that you walk a dog and it carries water and also a, a container for treats for the dog. And I had to do this series of drawings about people walking their dogs with these leashes. And it was just, it was fun to do because I got to draw all these cute puppies, you know, it was really cool. Um, so each project, and I know when you hear that project, it doesn't sound, it's not the sexiest yeah. sounding project, but it's actually pretty fun. Then of course, Every once in a while, you get to do things that are cool and quote unquote sexy. Like I worked on my friend's uh, film, Snakehead, which just uh, premiered at a film festival, the Santa Barbara Film Festival. And I, I did the illustrated movie poster for 
That's the more Captain Obvious fun project. But I think as the illustrative and designer, my challenge is to make each project as interesting as possible. For sure. Going back to kind of the project that got us connected in the first place, Monkey King. Why did you decide to pick like, oh, Monkey King as the project to help you kind of, no, help the community? Because yes, you are uh, Taiwanese American, but then for a lot of us that are in the West, kind of Asian culture, is it our kind of thing that we really relate to or at least we feel confident in kind of using as a vehicle to share who we are as an individual because of like assimilation of like being in the west diaspora all that stuff would you say it's because you're really connected to your culture your home homeland culture and all that stuff or is there any particular reason well you know being asian american is a very unique experience when i'm in america I'm very Asian. When I'm in Asia, I'm very American. And it's unique in that if you want to focus on the negative part of it, you're never really at home anywhere. But trying to stay positive about it, you know, no matter where I am, I have the opportunity to share my culture and my point of view with everyone. So the Monkey King, by putting him in Chinatown, New York, in America, he is a foreigner, even though he belongs. And, I, you know, being Asian American, it's, it's a great thing. And I hope through this book, through this story, people will get to see the nuances, the, the complexity of being, you know, at home. You're a foreigner in your homeland and not everyone understands that. So I'm hoping that this might shed a little bit of light on that subject. Yeah. And I just find it really nice that you're like incorporating like your Asian influences into this kind of project because for a lot of you know Asian Americans, especially going through things like you no know, Asian hate, going through racist attack, a lot of them can resort back to ignore or I mean kind of hide away our Asianness because you no know, assimilating feels like it works. But from these attacks, we all know assimilating to the Western society to white culture. It doesn't work. So it's really nice for you to like really put it out there like, oh, I have Asian culture. I have American culture. I'm blending the two. And that's perfectly fine. I think what you're doing is something that people can look to and be like, wow, we could be a mixer of both. And that's still amazing. We should not be ashamed of it and live our best life being the best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with the way things are going nowadays, this is the, the best time to be more proud of who you are and where you're from more than ever before. This is when we need everyone to let everyone else know, you know, who they are and where they're from and what their culture is. You know, this is not a time to hide, not a time to shrink away from the challenge. We have to step up to the challenge. We have to be better and we have to make everyone else better. That's the way I look at it. And how has it been so far? You kind of telling people about your project and uh, showing perspective people that could uh, support it and all that stuff. How has the response been? You know, so... Um, as you know, Alan, he's been amazing. He's, he's just such a positive person. He, he really, you know, he, he looks at everything as an opportunity rather than a challenge. And we've been kind of frankly putting together everything. And I, I gotta say, you know, I mean, just like you, Kyle, we asked you just, you know, rather quickly, just, I think just like yesterday or something, you know, and here we are. And, you know, that's, a compliment to you, to, you know, like, I, like I said before, what you're doing deserves more attention than what I'm doing. You're, you're the one giving people like me a platform to, to share our projects with everyone. 
And that, that's in large part, thank you to you, you know, like really. And everyone has been, like I said, I, I, I sound like a broken record, but you can focus on all the rejections and all the negativity, or I choose to focus on all the amazing people that have stepped up and, and helped, you know, and, and it's been great. And in just like a few days, we, we've, I think, accomplished a lot, achieved a lot, you know, it, we're working nonstop. But it's great, you know. I feel like we're achieving things. And now I'm curious: is have you told your family about this project, and how how's their reaction? Like, like your toughest critic, your mother. You know, when I told my parents about it, they're like, "The Monkey King." Oh, and they they remembered how much I loved watching The Monkey King, you know, on TV uh, when I was like eight years old. So. Of course, my mom had to step in and make sure that I knew what I was talking about. It was the fact checker. Yeah, yeah, she couldn't let me mess anything up. You know, she's like, if you're gonna do this, you gotta do it right. You know, and especially as my mom is an author, you know, and a pretty accomplished one at that. So um, I like to think they make sure I'm not, you know, doing anything too stupid. Has she has she <laughs> seen the final copy already? She's seen a little bit. You know, um, unfortunately, my mother lives in a different state than me. It's not very far away, but. When we do get to spend time, we see each other every week, so it's not like I don't see her very often. But when we do see each other, you know, it's about her hanging out with my niece and, and my nephews. So we try to do, you know, especially with the Asian hate one, it's just about trying to enjoy each other's mm -hmm. company. Um, especially we, we, like I said, we have a small business and things are pretty rough for our business right now. So we're just trying to not get caught up in all the the bad stuff right for now. Sure. Just try to enjoy each other's company. Try to make sure everyone's safe. Be grateful that everyone's safe and healthy. Just try to do things here. We 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 literally just try to get lunch and have a couple of drinks and hang out together. That's great. And you picked Monkey King as your kind of like first kind of attempt at doing what you're trying to do now. In terms of the future, have you ever thought of doing other kind of Asian stories, making modernized to like the New York Chinatown scene, or well, you know, I'm glad you asked that. Actually, um, so as one of the founders of that graphic novel anthology, Secret Identities, I told you about before, we've been asked. I mean, that book came out like over 10 years ago. I'm not even exactly sure how long ago it came out. Maybe like 20 years ago at this point. We've been asked so many times, "When are we going to do it again?" And I think I've decided after The Monkey King, I'm going to try to put together another anthology book to showcase. Up and coming talent, and as well as featuring established talent as well. Um, I, I do want to make another anthology book of you know an anthology book. What that means is a large book of short stories, and I'd like to make a series of them. So I'm hoping at some point in 2022 that, that that's going to happen. Because actually, sorry, I'm also working on another book right now called The Dim Sum Gang with my friend Harry Shen. He's, He's an actor, one of the founders of the Secret Identities book as well. Um, it's you can see it on my Instagram, but it's essentially these you know dim sum characters that and their wacky adventures. So I'll hopefully have that done by the end of this year as well. And then next year, I'd like to start the anthology book. Wow, you got so many projects going on, and all kind of relates back to your Asian identity, which I think is great. You're not shying away from it. You're trying to highlight it, show people what. Asian identity is in the West. I, I really I appreciate you for doing it because oftentimes I feel like if you're gonna show Asian identity is either oh Asian identity from the East, like in Asia, but what you're doing is kind of melding the Eastern influences and the Western influences into one. And I 
really think that's great. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the only way I know. So I have to do it that way. You know, um, I, I do believe any story you, you create, the, the, the more you can draw from personal experience, the better it's going to be. Yeah. And can you tell us a little more about the dim sum gang i'm it's have a catchy title so i'm i'm i want to know more about it <laughs> oh it's great man it's super fun you know so we focus on our main uh, our main two characters are really uh xiaolong bao uh, you know and uh soup dumpling and also uh zong dofu the stinky tofu so we have these two characters that that are it, it begins with the soup dumpling he wakes up and he believes he's like in a sauna when he's actually in one of those steamers oh. and realizes that Everyone around him is being plucked to be eaten, and uh, it's about him making his great escape with Stinky Tofu, and uh, from there they they'll start going on their wild adventures, discovering other foods, making new friends, and essentially learning about the world through food. That's great. I I think that's really catchy, really interesting, and I think a lot of people will enjoy it. And is it gonna be like a comic or what? What's the plan with it? Is it gonna be like short stories? What what what's the medium? Yeah, so um, right now it's literally just an Instagram comic. I know it sounds silly, but I just do a couple uh, drawings every week, and then we post it up on Instagram, and then uh, we're gonna collect it at the end of the year and make a book. Like I said, my friend Parry, he's an actor. He was the star of the movie Better Luck Tomorrow, and he's also a star on General Hospital. So obviously, with him, we have some ideas for uh, animation, and you know he's already done some voice voiceovers for some of these characters for these short little skits that we've made. So we're hopefully going to transition to that at some point. That's awesome. I I, I want to know more about it, see more about it, and um, see it when it comes out in this final form. I think that's very exciting, very fun, and I I think. The other thing I would want to know, with like, just you as a person, like, with like throughout your whole career, being an Asian creator, has there been anything that you find that you encounter that you really remember a lot of in terms of it being something that is happening to you just because you're Asian? Well, I mean. Yes, I have faced racism within the industry in the past. This is a long time ago. Um, this story, oh boy, I, you know, everyone always asks me to tell it. Not you don't even know what it is, so I'm not blaming you for asking me. I, I'm voluntarily tell you this, but this story was what happened after I had quit my job at Morgan Stanley. I made my own comic, and I was trying to at the time sell the rights for a film, a live action film. I'm not going to name any names, but. Um, I had spoken to one pretty big film house, and the guy called me up, and he got me on the phone. He's like, "Hey, Jerry, like, just want to let you know, we we love your project. We really we we want to option it. We want to make this thing come to life." It's like, and at the time, my my comic was called Burn. It was a Chinatown gangster comic. Uh, this is back when I was super young. So this is like over twenty years ago, like maybe, maybe like twenty five years ago. Um, he's calling me, and he just says, "You know." You gotta know though that the uh, the girlfriend she can be Asian, the best friend he can be Asian, the bad guy he he's going to be Asian, but the hero, I mean, you gotta know better. He's gonna be white. You know, are you okay with that? And I was just like, look, this is a Chinatown story. <laughs> like, I can't make the hero white. You know, like nothing against it, but he's it's. You know, I made this story to have an Asian hero. You know. 
Mm. And he's like, well, you let me know what you want to do. And I decided not to, to do that with him. I decided to not option the book. And when I thought, right when I thought that was the biggest mistake of my life, um, I was at a comic convention in Philadelphia and I was in Artist Alley. And in Artist Alley, artists are approached, you know, multiple times every day by people telling them what a great idea they have and that you'd be the perfect artist as long as you're willing to work for free. You know, and I heard that so many times. And then one guy walks up to me and he's just telling me how he's got this great idea. And I'm like, here we go again. But he's like, I'd like to do a book about Asian American superheroes. And I look up and it's this Asian American guy. And he's like, and I'd like to, you know, he's like, I'm talking about it with Jeff Yang. Jeff Yang at the time was the founder of A Magazine. And he wrote this book called Eastern Standard Time. Jeff is a big deal in the Asian American community. Mm-hmm. And once I heard Jeff, I was like, wait a minute, like, this is something I'm genuinely interested in. So this guy's name was, his name is Keith Chow. He's the founder of the Nerds of Color podcast. And he's like, well, here's my information. Let's just talk. That night we got on the phone, Jeff, Keith, and I, and then we ended up saying that we were going to make this book. And then along came Harry Shen, the actor, and then the rest became history. We made that book. We made two of these graphic novels. We won um, two awards. We toured domestically to, through museums, colleges, different schools, talking about Asian American awareness. Um, and it really helped propel my career. So in a weird way, I'm glad, I'm really glad that I said no to that film, uh, to, to the you know, optioning that comic idea at the time, because uh, I was able to keep my integrity. And I do think Although I might not be as rich and famous as I might have been, I do think I'm doing all right, and I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> That's an amazing story, like coming from, oh, you almost got a movie sold or option, but it's something that goes against your integrity, your artistic freedom, creative passion, and to creating secret identity, which is amazing. I. Uh, like you are with so much kind of history, your story, your background, so interesting. You, you've seen it all in terms of like the whole kind of Asian identity in America, the Asian American experience, I would say, because you are talking about doing things with people that are still really big in the game in terms of like Asian representation, all that stuff. So again, thank you for doing what you're doing. I think that's great. And it's funny how you mentioned how 25 years ago when you were trying to sell a movie, they were saying, you want this? Great. But you can only have it if it's a white character that's the lead. And even to a few years back, we could still hear like Asian filmmakers saying, oh, the movie production house or whatever, or the investor be like, oh, I want an, a white male lead for that Asian movie. So I think a lot has changed, but still some, some things are still the same. But I think we're moving in the right direction for a lot of things. Would you say so? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're crawling there, right? Uh, every time something good happens, it seems like we just hear another story of an Asian American being attacked, you know? So it, it's we're getting there. Um, I do think it's better now than it was 25 years ago. So not by much, but it, it's an improvement. And that's all we can focus on. That's all we can hope to do is to keep improving. Um, if, you know, if we can just create stories from us that can only feature us and we have, like I said, we have to be better than everyone else. We have to give 
more effort than everyone else. Mm. You know, we have to, you know, as corny as it sounds, like we have to jayo, you know, you, you have to be better, you know. Uh, we have to give it our all. And ideally, you know, people will come around if we just keep making good stories and creating good content. And, you know, it doesn't have to always be about a story or, or, or movies. It doesn't have to be things Definitely, like that. Yeah. If you're going to be a teacher, be the best goddamn teacher you can be. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a baker, be the best baker that you can be. If we just keep being the best that we can be, people will come around. Whether everyone in the world wants to admit it or not, we own the food and design industry, period. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> we, we, we own tech, business, food, and design. Please, you know, please admit that to me, you know? We don't have movie stars. We don't have movie stars, whatever. But we'll get there. I think we, as Asian Americans, or Asian as whole, just got to understand our worth. Know that we can do a lot of great things. We just have to do our best in anything that we do. And that's that should take our way to the top. Been a great conversation knowing so much about you. Wow, it made me feel like I learned so much because your journey has been such like almost almost like a history lesson on how Asian identity, how Asian American experience is because you, you've done a lot of stuff regarding Asian identity, Asian American experience that I did not know because it was initially just knowing that, oh, you have a project coming out about the Monkey King comics and, oh, I'm interested in that. <laughs> and as we keep talking, you're like, oh, you keep telling me new stuff that not really kind of talked about in your kind of social media or at least in the recent times, right? So it's very nice to know all this kind of backstory and everything. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's weird and fun to talk about the stuff from before. I try not to focus on past For things. Sure. I, you know, I, we need to just keep moving forward, you know? Yeah, and talk about uh, moving forward, with, especially with this Monkey King project. For those that aren't aware of exactly what Monkey King is, you, we kind of already gave like a short introduction to it. But if you want to have like people just listen to here to this point and have like a short elevator pitch of like Monkey King, why they should care. Do you have one? Like what's so special about Monkey King? Well, like I said, the Monkey King is a cherished story in Chinese culture. Um, I am taking him in a modern direction and it's kind of a mix between Stranger Things and Cowboy Bebop. They're going to try to stay out of trouble and at the same time I think they'll learn a lot about themselves. That's a great pitch and I hope people listening to this will be interested in it and check it out and yeah the show notes will have all the information for the project to where to find Jerry and all that fun stuff and do you have anything else to say in terms of like the project itself or any kind of uh, encouraging words for Asian Americans listening that you know are feeling a little bit down to be honest about all the things that has happened so far just look to you know look to the community find strength in the community um, we're there for each other you know it doesn't have to be this project but support independent projects support Asian American projects you know like if you take if you get anything from this it doesn't again it doesn't have to be my project just Find other Asian American projects out there that you enjoy and support them. It doesn't even have to be money. You can just share the project with others. You can just tell other people about the project. That is worth a lot. It's not always about money. It's about spreading the word, helping each other out, being there for each other and supporting each other. You know, if anyone ever needs to talk to me about stuff, please, like I said, message me on Instagram. I have no problems. I try to write back as fast as possible. Uh, I write back to everyone that writes to me. I think we should all be there for each other. For sure. And mentioning how you write to people that message you, where can they find you and all your stuff? And 
again, can you say the Kickstarter name again and all that fun stuff? Sure. So um, I guess I'm most active on Instagram, which is my Instagram account is Epic Props. I do have a website, which is just epicprops.com. And on the Kickstarter, you, I guess if you just look for the Monkey King under graph novels, it's the subtitle would be a Chinatown Odyssey. And what's the goal there in terms of the Kickstarter? How much money we're trying to raise and, and all that stuff that they want, want to know? Sure. The, the money uh, I'm looking to raise would just be 11000 which is to essentially cover the cost of printing. Um, that would mean just breaking even. And then after that, through our stretch goals, when we, as we make more money, we'll just be donating more money back to Chinatown. Love it. That's great. And I hope people would support, share, and just not talk about it, raise awareness, and most importantly, support small businesses, support independent creators, support no Asian communities, because we need the support right now. We need to support one another, love one another, and no stop the hate. And yeah, remember, no, there's good in the world still, and we got to harness all the good, all the positivity and live our best life and you know, make the world a better place to live in for everybody. Yeah, like Kyle, if I can just end on this one thing too. If you were out there walking by yourself and an elder Asian wo- woman came up to you and asked you for help, what would you say? You got to help. You, anything you can yeah. do in your power. So my, the point of that is we are out there we're all out there to help each other. We can ask each other for help. We can be there for each other. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much for doing what you're doing, your project, your repping the Asian community, your kind of you know, history in terms of sharing Asian stories, helping the Asian community and all that you do and all the best to your, you and your Kickstarter and everything that you're trying to represent and help with. And uh, I hope people listening could support you and your project and all the best to you. Thank you, Kyle. And thanks for everyone listening. Thank you for listening to What Kind of Asian Are You podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider following the podcast on your streaming platform and also on Instagram at What Kind of Asian Pod. Again, What Kind of Asian Pod. Make sure to leave reviews and ratings as well. Again, thank you for listening and supporting. See you on the next episode of What Kind of Asian Are You podcast.